We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everyone says, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. And it is exciting to uh, be here and to share the Word of God with you this morning. Last month, when Andrew asked if I could preach uh, this Sunday, I had to really think about it and uh, to pray about it because I knew that February was going to be a very busy month in uh, our work at Faith and Global Engagement at HKU. But you know, it's very difficult to say no to Andrew, <laughs> and especially when the Holy Spirit gives you a sermon title of getting to yes. <laughs> so it is exciting to be here. Getting to yes is what we're talking about. Getting to yes with God and staying at yes. Globally and here in Hong Kong, we're kind of emerging from a season of no, a season of restrictions, a season of holding back. And now we're emerging into this season of yes, but what does that look like for you? Because getting to yes can mean different things for each one of us. For some of us, getting to yes this morning might mean kind of the big yes, getting to yes to follow Jesus. And if that's you this morning, I hope you say yes, because our God is a beautiful God, and the journey that awaits you is amazing. For others of us, it might be getting to yes to be all in. This is the first Sunday of Lent, and as we go into this journey towards Easter, what would it mean for you to be all in? Maybe there's some parts of you, some parts of me that we're holding back. We've got a little pockets of no. And what would it mean to say yes? For some of you, getting to yes may be a relationship, saying yes into a relationship. For others, it might be saying yes to waiting on a relationship. For others, it might involve an illness. For others, it might involve, I don't know, but God knows. And what I know is that getting to yes with God is sometimes difficult. It's sometimes hard to do. When Marion and I were living in, uh, in London in the 90s, when we were uh, living there, we were going to All Souls. John Stott was there. And occasionally, uh, we were part of a small group. Occasionally, we would hear him just kind of speak uh, impromptu. And he would say, one time he said, there was the time where Peter said no to Jesus three times. And I thought, hmm, that's kind of interesting. And then he went on and said, he said no to Jesus on the way to Jerusalem. He said no to Jesus in the upper room at the washing of the feet. And he said no to Jesus on a rooftop in Joppa. So my mind just kind of stored that away and said, okay, that's kind of interesting. But in the last few months, God has been taking these words, these scriptures that we're going to look at together and helping me get to a yes, helping encourage me so I want to offer it to you to say, let's reflect together. Let's look together at this scripture and see if uh, Peter's journey can help us get to yes. Does that sound okay? It's hard to say no, isn't it? Okay, so before we get to yes in the scriptures and before we look at what God has to say to us, and I know 
as Andrew said, Marion and I worship here. We worship usually over this area where Daniel is sitting in that area. And, uh, and I know God speaks to us. And he'll speak to you if we open up to him. Because he has a word for you. And we don't want to miss that wor- word because one word from the Lord is enough. But before we open the scriptures, um, yeah, as, as uh, Andrew said, uh, kind of my day job is working at Hong Kong University, and I am working there helping lead faith and global engagement, also working most of my time in a character leadership program with the students called Lead for Life. And I think we have a picture of that. So this picture was actually taken just last weekend. So this is last Saturday. You can see the group of students. You can see our great neon sign there. You may even see yourself in this picture because a number of people in the line are helping as mentors, as teachers. And uh, so this is the team. You can see we had a Benedictine monk with us who was talking about meditation, wellness, and leadership. He teaches a course at Georgetown University on meditation and leadership. And what does it mean to be a contemplative leader? Because those make the best leaders when we have that spirit of stillness and reflection. So that's what we're going to talk about now. So at the, if we go to the next slide, you'll see a little bit of reflection. And uh, this is the kind of the metaphor that we've all very familiar with, or most of us are familiar with, and that is the iceberg, right? So the iceberg metaphor, the basic metaphor is you see the tip of the iceberg, but the bulk, the heart, everything is below the surface, right? So Hualun Ling, our uh, research director and our project manager at Faith and Global Engagement, does a brilliant job using this metaphor, this picture, to help our students know how to reflect. So I thought I would just teach it to us this morning. As we reflect on the three no's of Peter, maybe this model will be helpful for us, right? So here's how it goes. So the top level, when you see the iceberg, is, hmm, that's interesting, right? Hmm, that's interesting. It's interesting that Peter said no to his friend Jesus three different times. But then it goes to the next level, and it's, ah, And the ah level is, ah, that might be useful. Ah, Peter's nose might be useful to what I'm saying no to right now with God. But then it goes deeper, right? And we get to that moment we've all heard about, and it's the aha. Okay, so when Hualun teaches us, he does exactly that. He wants us and makes us do the sounds too, right? So you ready for this? Okay, so here we go. So when you see something the first time, it's, hmm, that's interesting. And then it goes to, very good. And the third is, aha, that's what it is. You guys are brilliant. You're all material for character leadership. So, But the aha is below the surface. Right now, when you look around the people around you, you can see the interesting. And you might even be able to see the, ah, that's useful. But do you see the, aha, what's below the surface? And that's where we're going. We want to go below the surface because below the surface is the bulk of our lives. It's also the heart of our lives. It's what, where the spirit 
works. And when the Spirit works there, there's this beautiful change. And we find ourselves shifting from no's to yes to God. Amen? Okay, so let's go to uh, the Scriptures. The very first time that Peter says no to Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem. Right now we're entering Lent. We're on the road to Easter. Jesus was traveling town to Jerusalem for the, for the time of the crucifixion. And so it says, from that time on, okay, think about that, that little fragment, from that time on. In other words, Jesus is switching his teaching now. There's a change in his teaching. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, we're never in a good position when Jesus is calling us Satan, right? <laughs> but what can we learn? What can we learn from this text about maybe our own nose or our own areas in here? Now, to understand this passage, we need to go back up just a couple of passages. And on that time, then basically they were going down. Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And then they say, some say you're Elijah, some say you're one of the prophets. And then Jesus asked that key question for each one of us, who do you say I am? And then Peter says, you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, well done. God revealed that to you. So what's going on here? What's going on here is that Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, you don't know how to be a Messiah. This is not how to be a Messiah. Jesus is saying no, or Peter is saying no to Jesus about the cross of how to do this. You don't have to suffer as a Messiah. You don't have to go through the way of the cross. And I get that because I often also say no to the way of the cross. I say no to the way of cross because I want it to be my way. I want God to do things how I want him to do. It's a little bit like the leader or the CEO that says, let's all work together and do it my way. And we do that. I do that. You know, I do that a lot in the area of healing. I grew up as a missionary medical child in Africa, in Nigeria. And I believe in the power of healing through the medical practice. And I believe in the power of healing as I see it in the scripture attested to. And so when someone in my family gets sick, then I look to the scriptures in my prayers and I begin to say, this is how it's done. 
My father is 96 years old, and he's an amazing man. He's almost like Caleb, still ready to take the mountain. But he's gone through some illnesses, and my brother has gone through some illnesses. And my extended family has gone through some very difficult times of illness. And in those times of illness, Marion and I have cried out. We've cried out, and I've cried out, and said, this is how it works, God. <clears throat> I've read your scripture. I've read your word. Family gets sick. You bring the family to Jesus, and they're well. But it didn't seem to always work that way. Now, Marion and I have uh, three adult kids, and these three adult kids, as they were growing up, uh, were kids, and so Marion and I would always pray for them to be individuals of character, that they would rise up to be people of character. And at the same time, kids being kids, they would get in all types of trouble, right? And uh, they would be in this area of trouble, and we would pray for God to get them out of trouble quickly. And this would be our pattern. So leaders of character, people of character, get them out of the trouble quickly until finally at one point I felt God saying to me, what do you want, Steve? Do you want them to be people of character? Or do you want me to get them out of the situation that's creating their character? And Marion is a much faster learner than I am. Slowly, we begin to learn that maybe there's another way to pray. Maybe there's a way to pray when we don't like how God is doing something. Maybe we can pray our own how prayer. And it's this prayer. This prayer that's just short, and it says, Lord, how do you want me to pray? There's a classic book called The Cloud of Unknowing, written by a 14th century Christian mystic. Every morning is better with a quote from a 14th century Christian mystic, isn't it? But the, the quote is this, short prayers pierce heaven. Short prayers pierce heaven. Can I get an amen? amen. My prayers are far too long. This is a short prayer. And I offer it to you as a way that we've found to pray. Because here's what it begins to do. It begins to change things. If you're in that 20-point turn car park that Andrew had the vision of, maybe you've been going back and forth in your prayers. And maybe this is a way to release you, to begin to say, God, how do you want me to pray? Because then you begin to get onto the same page as God. Then you begin to see what his concerns are. Let's go back to the scripture. And when we go uh, to the passage again, this beautiful truth that Jesus tells to Peter right at the end, he says, you are a stumbling block to me because you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Have you thought about what God is concerned about in your situation? Because I rarely do. I know what I'm concerned about, and they're often very good concerns. Concerns for healing, 
concerns for prospering, of flourishing in the true sense of that word. But what is God concerned about? Because when you say, God, what are you concerned about? How should I pray? It'll change the way, and you'll shift from this no in your relationship with God in this particular situation to a yes. Amen? Okay, this is how it's kind of going to go. Is this working okay? Yeah? Understand? Make sense? Good. It's all I've got. So um, we'll do this. Okay. Now we go to the second no. And the second no, they have arrived now in Jerusalem. The second no comes from John chapter 13, verses 3 through 8. They're in the upper room. This is the time of the foot washing. And we read that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. The towel has always been the Christian symbol for service because of this night. But I just want to stop there. Look at those first beautiful lines. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power. In other words, he has all authority. He has all power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. He was grounded. This is a beautiful picture of a leader. But it gets even more beautiful because then he picks up a towel. This is something we're trying to help our students at the university learned that if you're a powerful leader, you know where you come from and where you're going, then you have the power to serve. Then you have the power to be humble. Thomas Merton said, the true sign of humility is strength. Because when we're strong, then we can be good leaders. Okay, that's another sermon. But anyway, I wanted, didn't, didn't want you to miss that because that's the picture of our Lord, our leader, and then he says, after that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Don't you love Peter? I mean, these are not just no's, right? These are never, never will this happen, right? So what's going on here that can help us? I think partly this is an exchange of friends, and Jesus calls you friend. And friends can be direct with each other. But there's something else going on here, and we saw it in the last no. There's a vehemence in Peter's no. No, never. It shall never happen. Because Peter's below the surface is being challenged. His heart is being challenged. Something is changing. Normally on a night like this, then a servant would get up and do the washing of the feet. But this night, Jesus does it. Something's changing. Last no, you saw a change where it said, from that time forward, he began to talk about suffering. There was a change. Peter is struggling to keep up with change here. And something's happening in his life, and he's shifting. And it's happening at a deep level. And he says, no, it's not going to happen, Jesus. And to be honest, I'm not really sure what 
Peter is saying no to here. I'm not sure if Peter is saying no to, uh, to the fact that a leader has to get on his feet and wash another person's feet. Or I'm not sure if he's saying no to being served. Or is he saying no to the fact that he might have to do the same thing and he doesn't want to be that type of servant leader? I'm not sure. Maybe it's just a bad feet day, right? He's embarrassed with his feet. But I think it's probably something more. I think it's probably both of those in terms of struggling to be served and struggling to serve. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is about both. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not only about giving love, it's about receiving love. And we have to have those working together. So I don't know what Peter is saying no to. But I do know that he doesn't like what's going on and he doesn't understand it. And sometimes that's good enough for me. Because I don't understand always what Jesus is doing. And then Jesus has these beautiful prophetic words. And he says, you don't realize now what I'm doing but later you will understand. Now, those are prophetic words because just in the same way that Peter got to yes on the cross because Pentecost sermon is all about the cross, Peter went to his own cross. Peter gets to yes here as well, and he lets Jesus wash his feet. We can shift to that as well. But there's these beautiful prophetic words. Jesus knows that Peter will shift to a yes. But he's basically saying, trust me. Trust me. Okay, and this is another short prayer that we can look to. Lord, help me to trust you. Lord, help me to trust you. The word trust has been at the front of my prayer journal for about 14 months. And I'm still learning it. Thursday night, Marion and I, after we had a conversation about things that were going on in different areas, we basically finished with, we're going to have to trust God in this. So here's a prayer. Maybe Jesus is saying a prophetic word over you right now. Maybe right now, where you're seated, he's coming to you and he's saying, you're going to have to trust me in this. You don't understand now. But you will. You will. And hold on to that you will. Because you will in the power of Jesus. Trust me. Okay, so now we go on to the third no. The third no, um, a lot has happened. After the second no, then there was the crucifixion. Because the second no happened right before the crucifixion. And then there was a resurrection. And then after the resurrection, there was the glorious day of Pentecost. And then after the glorious day of Pentecost, there was the persecution, and there was the scattering. And Peter finds himself out on a rooftop in Joppa, and he's hungry. Now, when we go to this third no, I want to warn us that we're going below the waterline. It's not just, hmm, that's kind of interesting what Peter is going through. And it's not, hmm, ah, yeah, those prayers might be helpful for me. Now we're going below the waterline. Because there's something in those first two no's that I found troubling. 
and I think we're going to see it more clearly in the third note, okay? So let's look at the third note together. This one comes in Acts. Acts 10, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to a rooftop to pray, and he became hungry, and he wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened, and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, you need to understand, at this point, Christianity is part of Judaism. It is a sect within Judaism that believes Jesus is the Messiah. It has not yet become uh, Christianity. It is a sect within the Judaism. All of the Juda Judaic dietary laws are still in effect, and these, this vision breaks all of those laws. And so what Peter says is, Surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times, and then immediately the sheet was taken back up to heaven. Okay, now this is kind of where it starts to get messy. Right? Because we're not talking about food here. We're talking about people. And people are messy. People are funny. And I am one of them. Right? And so are you. This is talking about people because right that very first line it says, as they were on their journey. So a little bit of a backstory. Who's the they here? The they is a party a group of people who have come from Cornelius. Cornelius is a man of God. He loves God. He's praying out to God. And God says to him, Peter is not too far from you in Joppa. Send a delegation. Go to Peter. Have Peter come into your home. Cornelius is a Gentile. Have Peter come into your home and pray together. So you have Cornelius praying over here, and you have Peter praying over here. And that's the beginning of bridge building. Because when people who are apart come together, it's usually one person on either side praying. And that might be the same in your family. That might be the same in your work. But there's both praying. And so this group comes right when Peter's having the vision. So right after Peter accepts this vision, after three times, it's the hardest he has saying no, then Peter goes downstairs. And when he goes downstairs, the party is there. They said, come with us to our home. This breaks again all the laws because he's not supposed to go into a Gentile's home. But he goes into the home and they begin to worship and the Holy Spirit falls on everyone. And as it falls on everyone, Peter is moved. And he recognizes God is doing a new thing. And a few chapters later in Acts, at the big conference at Acts 15, a person named Paul and another person named Barnabas, they've been out uh, ministering to the Gentiles. Gentiles have been coming to the Lord. Most of us in this room, I would, I would gather, are Gentiles and have been coming to the room. And there's a big meeting to say, is this okay in Acts 15? And Peter stands up 
and puts his influence behind Paul and Barnabas and says, I've seen the power of the Holy Spirit working in people that have been held apart. This is the vision. It's a beautiful vision. It's a vision of doors thrown wide open. It's a vision that says all are welcome, fully welcome, into the fellowship. My mom, growing up, used to have a phrase. She would say, there's always room for one more at the table. And I think she learned that from God. But it's not only just eating at the table. It's not only just fellowshipping at the table. It's a voice at the table. When you come to the table, you have a voice. You have a story. You have something to be told. This is where we're going way beyond or down below the waterline because we're going into our hearts. And I wonder if there's maybe someone that we are calling unclean or slightly not there yet that God is saying, this is my child made in the image of me. I wonder if there's people of different lifestyles who we welcome so far, but no more. I wonder if there are people of different faiths that we struggle to love. I wonder if there are individuals whose name pops up on your email and immediately you have a visceral reaction and you wonder if the Holy Spirit can work in that person. And God says, and Peter says, yes, I've seen the Holy Spirit at work in these people. It's a beautiful vision. It's a vision of full love. And you know where it comes to? It comes to our heart because these are the three things that have in common these three no's. Because the three no's all have something in common which I don't like and I found very uncomfortable as I was working on the scripture and letting the scripture work on me. And what I believe they have in common is they have in common a controlling nature. Because Peter is a passionate leader and passionate leaders sometimes be controlling. And we like to control God with our prayers or with our words. We would like to. We can't and we know we can't, but... We like to control people with our words. There's a controlling nature. And so when Peter, in these three times, he says yes to the cross, he's basically saying yes to the cross. He's saying, yes, your will, your way be done, not my way be done. And when he's saying yes to the towel, he's saying, I do not understand, but yes, I will trust you. And when he's saying yes to this vision, He's saying, whatever you want, God, I will do. So that takes us back to our iceberg. So if we go back to the iceberg, what I've just said, we have the picture of the icebergs again. Uh, and the, okay, so 
this picture of the iceberg, again, we're at the hmm, the ah, that's interesting. Yeah, that might be useful. But now we're at the aha level. We're at the level of courage. Last week, Pastor Andrew preached on courage. And if you're going to be changing things, changing things that you may have held to be true all of your life, but God's doing a new thing. Peter says, I've never done this all of my life. Now we're at that level. But it's going to take courage. But I also want to say, it's going to take other people helping you, right? It's going to take all of us, right? So we go from this hmm to the ah to the aha, but there's another level. You know what the other level is? It's this. Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> Just because we need a little joy at this point. <laughs> and because we need joy on the journey. And because we need laughter and because we need each other on the journey. So when you get to the level of ah-ha-ha, uh, it means you get it and I get it and we're going to help each other get it. And that's where it is, is this community. It takes each one of us to do that. So what I want to do now is I want to close with, um, with a communal prayer. It's a short prayer. But it's, I, want to, I want us to do it communally because we need each other. Because what we've been preaching about and speaking about is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit working in all of us and helping each other. Amen? Okay, so here's a little uh, prayer that I uh, will teach you. It's one that I learned when I was in university. I was about the age of the students that I'm working with now at the University of Hong Kong. And it was on a Sunday night. I was in a little town uh, in Texas, Waco, Texas. And I was in Waco, Texas. It was a Sunday night. I remember it was raining. Uh, I was going to church. I was obviously going to church late because by the time I arrived there, he, uh, the pastor was already preaching, right? And he was preaching about, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And he kept saying, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? And at the end, he said, this is what it means. It means that you can go home tonight and pray this prayer. And this is the last prayer. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, I will do it. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, I will do it. So that night, I went home and I prayed that prayer. Nothing special, just prayed the prayer. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. End of that week, I got a call saying, uh, I was a sophomore, first semester, saying, uh, we need someone to come to Haiti for next semester because the person who was supposed to go has fallen through. Would you be interested in coming? Again, hard to say no when you prayed this prayer, right? This prayer has guided us, guided me not only to Haiti, but it guided Marion and I to uh, London. It guided us to Bonn. guided us to Zurich. It guided us to Hong Kong 11 years ago. It's guided us to our current callings right now, Marion and her work and my work at the university. So I offer it to you. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to just go into a time of prayer now and to pray. And we'll leave this up if you want to pray it. Or you may want to pray some of the other prayers we've looked at. 
I find it best just to pray what the Holy Spirit tells you to pray. But let's do this together because we need each other and we need the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, so we're going to go into silence. Silence can be challenging. Mother Teresa says uh, the fruit of silence is prayer. So maybe just if you're comfortable, close your eyes, give your neighbor a little bit of privacy. Um, and we're going to go into a time of prayer. First, I encourage you to be still. Just be still. You're in a safe place. And be still. And second, begin to orient your mind and thoughts to God. And then be attentive. The psalmist says that we look at God for every slight movement. Attention is the highest form of love. Be attentive to God. And then receive. Before anything else, receive his love. He so loves you. But just feel his love, the beauty, the warmth. And then as the Spirit leads, begin to pray. Again, you may want to pray this prayer, whatever you want. Lord, I will do. It's a hard prayer. And you may need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you pray it. When I said there was a no, maybe in all of us, maybe go there now and begin to use the prayers. God's love. Holy Spirit, to begin to shift that now. Lord, help us to say yes.